everybody. Welcome to episode number six of the Cats and Bolts podcast presented by DraftKings, Beach House Pompano, and Brusco, broadcasting live from Boca Raton, Florida, here in the Podcast Junkie Studio. I'm your host, Rod Peterson, with co-host Serena Taylor, and it is Florida's favorite hockey show where we talk weekly about the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and every couple of weeks, we get a very special guest in, and this week, it happens to be Jeff Chikorin of Bally Sports Florida, Florida Panthers analyst. He's good enough to spend 20 to 30 minutes with us, and then Serena and I will uh, wind it all up answering your questions. But, um, Chick, welcome to Cats and Bolts. How you doing, sir? Thanks, Rod. Serena, doing Our great. Pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, you're in Florida talking hockey. It doesn't get much better right, than that. You've right. noticed. I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm, I have to admit, the parenting it comes out from time to time, right? I'm coming in my car, and I found out the Ottawa Senators GM was, I don't know if he was released, if he resigned, but... But other than that, I'm doing great. We're going to jump right into it. Okay, well, listen, for the viewers they, that, that don't know, a lot of you will because you watch Panthers games on TV. Jeff is an analyst there, but he played in the NHL for a long time. 262 games, to be exact, with the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, Edmonton Oilers, LA Kings, Pittsburgh Penguins. He's from Montreal, Quebec originally. It's a long story. We won't get into all of it. We, as I said, only got 30 to 40 minutes. But his son, Jacob, is a star with the Ottawa Senators and for a long time with the Arizona Coyotes. And I guess Maybe that's the news of the day. We should jump in there. Your son, Jacob's general manager, Pierre Durion, fired on Wednesday because of, um, well, you take it. You know better than me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I suppose it's more of an administrative issue, right? Um, apparently, they, they traded uh, Yvonne Dadinov to Anaheim, Anaheim yeah. three years ago. And he had a limited no-trade clause, apparently, and uh, it wasn't filed correctly or the information wasn't passed along to Anaheim. They trade him to a team that... I guess was on his list, and uh, I believe it was Vegas, and and it uh, so it hit the fan at that point. So, yeah, I mean, that's that might have been the final strike, and then they were find a, a first round draft pick in the next three years today by the league. So, yes, new ownership, it. yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were a number of things, but hey, I feel bad. Well, I'm I'm a dad first, right? So exactly, I, I'm very appreciative to Pierre for bringing my son in, and. Still new to us. So. I want to jump right into that because Ed Jovanovski sat in that chair a couple of weeks ago as a what is it, hockey dad. Yeah. He coaches. Cool, Are yeah. you rattled by this? Your son's GM fired. Does it yeah, rattle you? Try to roll with it, right? <laughs> but uh, something you can't control. And that's what we always try to tell our kids, right? Worry about the things you can control. Uh, don't worry about the things you can't. But this is tough. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it affects. It affects him and his teammates directly. So... I don't know if I'm rattled. We've been in the business long enough. I remember when, I mean, when Bobby Clark was fired in Philadelphia, I was probably a lot more rattled than I am today. I never saw that coming. But uh, I think that certainly, you know, with a new ownership, uh, you had a feeling some things would change maybe at some point, but I wasn't expecting it today. Yeah. Yeah. Serena, your witness. You've been sitting there nicely, quiet. Waiting for your That's turn. probably the first time you've ever said that to me. You've been sitting <laughs> We're here different nice people quiet. sitting here, yeah. We are completely different people. And even my dad, he watches these because he's learned how to use YouTube. Ah. Yeah, this is, he knows We're how to use learning. a couple he's things. He's in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah. He loves Love when we argue. My dad loves when we argue. <laughs> He's shocked when we don't argue. So last but we don't week, normally argue, Chick. That's the thing. I joke with my sisters when they argue with their husbands. I, I, I remind their husbands that the warranty's up. They're not coming back. But it's not returnable. I don't know if your dad jokes like that or not. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everything. My yeah, dad yeah. is very brutally open. But I do want to talk about the difference. I'm actually glad that you brought up the Bobby Clark thing because I feel like 
Bobby Clark's a flyer. He's always been a flyer. He's always going to be a flyer. This is a little different. Yeah. So is it going to affect your son and everybody else on the ice as much as it maybe did with the Flyers at the time? Well, I think if if I just sort of just look at the Ottawa Senators uh, today, I think Pierre done a really good job of bringing in, locking up their core, you know, Timmy Stutzla, Brady Kachuk, Jake Sanderson, Josh Norris, all these young guys, Thomas Shabbat, all locked up into long-term deals. I think he done a great job accumulating that talent and putting together a product. I know talking to my son just how much he really loves that locker room. They brought in Claude Giroux not long ago. Um, so that's been said. I, I suppose the biggest thing that's going to affect them maybe down the road is the loss of that draft pick. Now, if they're a good club, it could be in the late 20s, early 30s anyway sort of thing. So who knows what type of effect that'll have long term. But that's the type of news, you know, uh, loved, loved Arizona, but you, you sort of got used to crazy news coming out of there sort of on a, <laughs> seemed like a weekly basis for six years. And still are, but he's just gone. And honest, just, yeah. but listen, loved our time there, loved everybody you dealt with. Um, but those are some things that were sort of three for loop. I don't think this is the same case, obviously. Ottawa's got great new ownership and Michael Andlauer and Steve Stamkos and really looking forward to the future there. I got to ask this you might be the second most famous hockey dad in the <laughs> NHL right now. And you know who the other is, Keith Kachuk. Absolutely. He's got Brady in Ottawa. He's got Matthew here in South Florida. And uh, and then there's you with Jacob. Are you okay being number two to uh, Keith yeah, Kachuk? I, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to take a backseat to those guys. I've, and I'll let Keith do the most of the talking with them. Which he's not afraid to. No, he's not afraid to. I, uh, someone I was on Toronto radio recently and they asked me, you know, what, what I might say about the hockey club. I said, well, Keith has a pedigree and, and he can say what he wants. I'm sure if some of the things that came out of my mouth similar to Keith, my son and I would have a very short conversation to follow up that interview. But, but Keith, <laughs> uh, he's a special guy and uh, really excited to share some time with him for the next few years with the Panthers and the Senators. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a cool story. Yeah. But I kind of want to get into how did you get involved with the Panthers? You know, you never played here. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about your broadcasting career, where that started, and just about the Panthers in general. Yeah, really. Uh, sometimes the best jobs are ones you know, you're not pl- you don't plan on, right? Um, and opportunities. I, I, I'd been, I, was, I had been out of the game for almost 22, 23 years. I think it was the summer of 19, and uh, I was at my cottage 40 miles west of Ottawa. I got a phone call from uh, somebody at Fox Sports at the time and asked if I'd have any interest doing television. I said, well, I'd, I'd literally never thought of it. What do I have to do? Do I have to leave the cottage early and come down <laughs> to see you guys? So Danny Potvin had retired um, and moved on, and they were doing some restructuring of the broadcast crew. Uh, Randy Moeller did some of the in-studio stuff, and uh, they were looking to bring in end up bringing in Eddie and I to do do the uh, majority of the home games. And uh, that's sort of where it took off. But sort of never planned. I, I'm not a journalist. I'm, uh, you know, been living in Florida for almost 30 years now. I guess uh, 28 years. I retired in January 95. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been out of the game a long time. I'd actually got in, went back to school, got my degree, been doing working in business for about 25 years. And... Um, uh, my wife and I were working. We were, we were looking sort of for that next phase, stepping back from the office, which I actually have finally full time last month. And so I was looking for something. And I made some inquiries about maybe doing some pro scouting for someone, sort of get away from the business world and do something I might like doing. 
and I got the call. Um, so it's been a real blessing. It came at a really good time for me. I really enjoy the interaction with the staff, with, you know, Jessica Blaylock, uh, Craig Minervini, Jovo, obviously, and, and all our crew. Just a great group of people to hang out with and really blessed to have it in my life at this point. Yeah, everybody seems to get along great. And we talked about culture on the last show. This Panthers team has a great one. By the way, our guest appearances are brought to you by, in part, by the Beach House Pompano, scenic rooftop restaurant on the shores of Pompano Beach, and by Buresco, a tropical outpost, serving only the freshest tacos and lush jungle vibes. You can find them at 225 North Pompano Beach Boulevard. Before we get into the hockey, and trust me, we will, not that we're running out of time, but I do want to say this. Now that you're here, I don't know when I have a chance to ask you again. In the press box, Stanley Cup final, you came up beside me. I don't think we'd met if maybe said hi. You stuck your hand out and you said, hey, my dad's from Good Eve, Saskatchewan. <laughs> How I came people? home and told her that immediately. I fell off my chair. How did you even know? Uh, I saw your ring. I saw your That's Rough Rider ring. And uh, by the way, in Canada, there's two Rough Riders. There's the green Rough Riders and the real ones from Ottawa. <laughs> That's and, and Rough Riders is actually two words, Rough and Riders. Unfortunately, we're not in the league anymore. I was say, how's that going for them? Uh, well, exactly. But I've been to Taylor. I was at Taylor Field many times as well. Historic. Historic. It really yeah. was. It really cool. was. So, okay, you saw so the ring. Anyway. I, I didn't know. I'm like, how does this it guy know? I'll tell you what, though. People from Saskatchewan definitely gravitate. Canadians stick yeah. together and gravitate to each other, but there's something about being from Saskatchewan. When I was at game four, Kelly McCrimmon came up to me because I was wearing an oiler jacket. He's like, what's with the oiler jacket? I'm like, it's always oiler time, you know, my friend. <laughs> and but so we got on the conversations like, where are you from? Saskatchewan. So, of course, he's like, well, I'm from Saskatchewan. And well, people just like to tell they're from Saskatchewan. There's something about those people. And the best hockey players come out of Saskatchewan. I can uh, <laughs> that I'm, was a, I'm a big Gordy fan, too, and so is my beautiful. father. So I'm going to leave it at that. There you go. There we go. Gotcha. Um, that, that province shuts down when the Rough Riders are playing, though, don't, don't they? Doesn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. million people, they're locked in the, the Green Nation. And, and uh, I mean, I, I had cousins drive down from Nipwin on a regular basis. It's their team. Five yeah. hours probably down yeah. down to Regina. Yeah, it's a great place. Uh, great, very special fans. place. Yeah. yeah. And as Serena says, that's where the hockey players are from. Although there's not one on the Panthers. <laughs> there's. Uh... I feel like there's a conversation I've had growing up in my house, by the way. <laughs> but where the hockey players are from? Yeah. Well, just or in general, everything. Yeah. Green well, Nation. And it's true though. But to be fair, as much as people in Saskatchewan love the Riders, they love hockey more. Yeah. It's. I mean, the whole nation is a hockey nation, and. So the transition, it's a lot different coming here, and you're still broadcasting, but it's a completely different environment. Like, the reason we created this podcast was to explode the hockey knowledge and the information to the people of South Florida, because unless they're watching a game, they don't really have it. Yeah, that it, but it's grown, and it's grown insurmountably since I've been here even, and I saw the effect when I was playing in L.A. and, and, and the effect of the Panthers. I like to call it the Gretzky effect in, in the southern United States, but, you know, when, when I got to Philadelphia in 1984, I mean, they'd been in the league 17 years. It was probably, and they'd won the Stanley Cup. It was probably a developing or a less traditional hockey market. I would consider Philadelphia a hockey market. Mm-hmm. I don't think Florida anymore is a non-traditional hockey market. It's less traditional. I mean, it's almost 30 years, right? Been to the finals twice. I think it is a hockey It was just market. a time thing? Yeah. It just took yeah. a while? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and the infiltration of, of people from the north coming south. But more than that, I mean, my son grew up here. I, I, had, I had three kids, uh, Jacob, Brandon Duhame in Minnesota, Andrew Peake 
uh, this is oh, they were five years or so, 2003, on the in-house team at Incredible Ice in Coral Springs. They were all, I had eight skaters and three of them are in the National Hockey League today. So it just shows this is a hockey market now, as far as I'm concerned. And, and you can travel, I, because I did it, you can travel from South Florida to Toronto to Detroit to Calgary. And the kids from South Florida are just as good as anywhere in North America. We may not always have as many or as deep, but these kids can play hockey just as well as anybody from anywhere. And, and I think that's because of the growth of the game down here. I actually respectfully disagree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen kids. I'm serious. We, I, we've watched kids play. They're not as strong as skaters at the age but of that was 12, in top tier, though. 13, 14. Right. 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 But the depth. Like, sure, there's definitely, like, Duhame, we watched them the other night. Like, he was so, he's so good. I like watching him play. Yeah. But, because we watched that game, because I think it was the only game on, and I was, it was one of the best games of the night. I said to Rod, we got to watch this whole game. I forget who they well, were that playing. That was New Jersey, Minnesota. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but either way, you're right. There are some good talent come out of here, but the depth just isn't there, in my opinion, all across the U.S., and that's probably because I'm super biased, but I just don't see it. Yeah, well, and and I'll and I'll, I'll counter that as well, and I and and I, I respect that. We, we certainly um, depth-wise, yes. And sometimes you have to travel a little bit further. You may need kids coming from Jacksonville, Tallahassee, Boca, and Lauderdale to sort of merge together to have that high-end roster. But you watch the Florida Lions clubs that play; they are excellent hockey players. Um, and and and. And I don't like into the whole Canada, the U.S. thing too, because I, I I defend each country depending on where I am, north and south of the border. You're smart. But my son played for the Toronto Junior Canadians at 15, uh, and he was the first pick on the Hockey League draft. The year before that, he played for Detroit Little Caesars for two years. And I will challenge you to tell me that the league in Toronto was better than one in Detroit and Chicago because it wasn't as deep as the league as the uh, high performance hockey league. People may disagree with me, but that's what I saw firsthand. Um, a lot of pros have come out of both and those age groups. But just sort of my opinion, there were a lot more 9-1 hockey. And maybe that's because in Toronto, I'm sort of right digressing here, but um, there were uh, maybe the majority of the better kids played on the top three teams. But there were a lot more 9-1 hockey games on a Sunday night than there were in that sort of Detroit-Chicago league we played in. What an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm still thinking of who the three kids won. One was Jacob. Who are the other two in the NHL now? Oh, Brandon Duhame. Yeah. Okay. Andrew du Peak. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it's coming. But hockey's great. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, you know, people are committed. Here's here's a story. Got Jay Wells gets traded to Philadelphia from the Los Angeles Kings in 1988. Gordon Murphy and I are rookies in, in um this sort of leads to the whole the whole concept of where you can develop hockey players. I know growing up in Ottawa, 99% of my hockey, I'd go to the outdoor rink, was played indoors. So Jay comes to, comes to Philly. Gord Murphy and I would take him out for, for lunch. We're a couple of rookies. Jay had been in, in uh, L.A. for probably 9, 10 years. Dated Jeannie Bus way back when. Who when didn't? He, right, 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 <laughs> right, right. Say. Anyway, I looked at him. L.A. was the only warm climate team. team. I said, how did you play hockey? In California yeah like, just didn't I mean I like wearing my flip-flops to the rink in the summertime in Ottawa he says kid he says you like it so much there you work that much harder to stay there and he says inside the rink every rink it's 200 by 85 and 
doesn't matter if there's palm trees outside, snow or whatever, it's all the same once you step foot in that. And I never forgot that. So when I, when I was coaching the kids in, in South Florida, one, once time in particular, I remember we were, we were in Boston playing and, and it was getting a little rowdy. We were the Florida Everblades, I think, at that time. And, and we were, I remember the Boston we were playing, but it might even have been a team from Toronto. Anyway, they were, they were giving it to our kids about the palm trees and why don't you guys go back and get your surfboards out and all that stuff. And I sort of brought that story back to the boys like, hey, you guys play on 285 just like they do. Let's get out there and show them what we can do. That was their beak? Can you believe you know that? Right, right, right. Why don't you go back to your exactly. sheep? Why don't you go back to your cows? What's <laughs> yeah. what a beak that yeah. was. Didn't yeah. even do, yeah. do that yeah, well. Your leg's frozen right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You funny? know, one thing, the, Serena asked if any uh, viewers had asked questions to pass along to you. One did. He said, um, do you ever see an outdoor game being played in Florida anywhere? Wouldn't that be great? I think the biggest is. So they did it at uh, LA. Dodger Stadium, yeah. right? Chavez Ravine a few years ago. I don't know how the ice was. I, it was okay from what I understand, but I just don't think they could do it here because of the temperature. Yeah. They tried it at Lake Tahoe. Remember that? Right. And it was an absolute disaster because of the temperature. You could get away with Dodger Stadium because Southern California, as you know, can get... Dry. Yeah, exactly. I think here it would just... It would be fun, but I think the ice would be yeah. a travesty. So we did... Uh... With the Kings, we played the Rangers at Caesars Palace in September. And Gretzky was playing. And I remember my dad was out. He was in Vegas uh, from Ottawa for a, a conference, I guess. And, and him and I we were walking around. I, I'd, I, was, I had wrist surgery. I was injured. So we were walking around the rink that afternoon. They had, so it was in the boxing ring, right? The boxing area was at Caesars Palace in the parking lot. And they had this, it's like a tarp over the, over the rink in the afternoon. It was 110 degrees out. Dry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dry. And uh, the tarp fell. <laughs> they got it up. So I think the ice was melting a little bit, probably two in the afternoon. And uh, I remember just before the game, so I remember looking at Tommy Webster. And Tommy was a nervous guy to begin with. Great guy, Tommy. I think he was an original Panther coach here, right? An assistant coach. And uh, they were really worried because Gretz was playing. And they were, I think they were really worried, you know, what would happen. And, and uh, anyway, they played the game. And as the game got going, you know, the... Ice, it's like when you fracture a bone, right? You grow that calcium and you cut it up a bit and you re resurface it and it gets better as the game goes on. But I think the ice did get better because it was chippy by the end, you know? The Rangers yeah. had Ty Domi and Chris King and it was getting a little chippy out there. Um, but, uh, but, so, but Florida, right? That humidity, I don't know. Probably I have not. a hard time getting my bedroom to cool off in the, you know, in the summertime. Well, you've got to think yeah. about it, too. At least the ground cools off yeah. in Vegas and L.A. at some point of the year, and here it just doesn't. It doesn't. doesn't. You unlock the key word, Gretzky. Yeah. Yeah, that's my key word. Serena will have a question or two for you, probably about playing with Wayne. You must have something. Don't disappoint me now. It's her favorite human being. Well, yeah. You want to think about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give oh, us a Gretzky million. story, chick. Jeez, I'm not to think about that. Jo Did Jovo give you any? You know what, Bill uh, Lindsay, this is one of my favorite yeah, things that Bill told us. He said it was one thing, you know, being on the ice with him, but Bill got injured. He was watching from the top, and he's like, wow. You can really see. Obviously, he's like, you can't catch him, yeah. but you can really see how good his game is. Yeah, was. It, yeah, was, is, probably still <laughs> probably could be. Probably still could, yeah. <laughs> Thing about him that always impressed me. Remember when I got traded? I had lunch with Rick Wilson, our assistant coach. He said, he, Rick, "Wayne's going to try something in practice what you've probably never seen before, right? And sort of on a daily basis." And 
And, and really, he, you know, when he started, you know, delaying and spinning the puck behind the opposition net, right, uh, in the offensive zone, nobody did that before. But he would, the thing that really struck a chord with me was Wayne had to know he was better than everybody else, right? I would think. <laughs> but he never threw that at anybody, right? I mean, I think he understood that he needed everybody else in that locker room. Can't to, play by to himself. Yeah. Can't, no, no, no. I think, he is, I think his understanding, and I watch him on TV, and I personally think he's amazing. Like, I, the stuff that comes out, it's like when I talk to you about Jovo, I, when I watch Jovo, and there's a pleasure working with him because I know he played 19 years in the league just because I think everything that he says has some, I just think he's really good on here. And uh, Gretz, I think, is so good. He, he's, he's that people person, never thought he was bigger than the game, even though he probably knew he was. And I feel that comes across. Uh, he just sees things differently than most other people, when he's, even when he's broadcasting. And I think, he can, I think he really brings it to the studio when he's there. And talking to him here last season, like I think he really likes that job too, which is pretty Good. cool. Build some, Good. Build some t space in his life. Um, but no, I, I think he's... I mean, I grew up in Ottawa, so I, I, I went to, when I was gr sixth grade, I was a uh, school patrol, right? So the crossing guard going into our school. <laughs> so sixth grade school patrols went to the Ottawa 67 Sioux Greyhounds game. Wayne was, he's five years, he was 16, the first year in the OHL. And him and Bobby Smith were sort of touring. Ontario. No, I think it was every rink Wayne went into. He'd do a sh like a, sh a showdown, a shootout, Second intermission against the other team's leading scorer, <laughs> so Gretz did it in Ottawa against the Ottawa 67s junior hockey. It was pretty cool, and I reminded of him of it 15 years later when we were skating around the Ottawa Civic Center in, in uh, morning skate. I said I was here that night. He said, I remember. <laughs> I'm not sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. Serena's, Serena's jaws on the floor. Yeah. I had to ask the Gretzky question. You were too. I just, I love those Stunned stories because <laughs> you don't hear them in the everyday unless no, you play with never. them. But my next question for you is, who's the best player in the NHL right now? Oh, right now. Well, There's only one answer. Yeah. Was but say. I'm curious what yeah. you think. Well, I, you listen, uh, I, I think there are things Connor McDavid does today that, that uh, certainly with the pace, I think Connor's 6'1". When he skates, he looks like he's 6'3". He yep. sort of has that sort of, Skates upright. upright, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it, did you see him get the puck early in the game, the outdoor game the other day? Don't get her started, of Honestly, course. Right? I mean, the dry cell, and he just he skated <laughs> so fast around that. I thought he was injured, right? I mean, just incredible speed. And, and and I listen to my son. I a lot of my information comes from Jacob today because I I'm so in inquisitive on what the modern day hockey player thinks and how they think the game because it's different than absolutely. When I play, right? I'm 30 years out of the game. And, and I appreciate that point of view. And he just, Jacob grew up, he'd probably tell you he was the big, a big Sidney Crosby fan and probably still is today. But he has such an admiration for Connor. He played against him in Erie, his first year in the mm -hmm. Hockey League. And, and I think he just, I think the threat of that speed, um, I think Nathan McKinnon's in that conversation too. The threat of that speed, that pace they come with is really intimidating for a defender. Especially today's game where they may not, you know, I think as a, when I watch the game today, I feel I have to give something back to the defenseman a little bit, right? Like either support, hold someone up, because the defenseman are getting put in the fourth row sort of every time I go back to get pucks. If you don't have the support coming with speed through the neutral zone, 
that's just so deadly. It's got to be so hard to defend in this league today. Well, it's why Edmonton's power play was so strong last year. You have a guy like Dreisaitl who's built like a tank. And you just, like the tic-tac-toe they did the other night, they just bang, right? Dreisaitl hit the side of the net on the power play in that outdoor game. But I said to Rod, two other guys in the league are not doing that. The way those guys put the puck in the net, just because McDavid is so, he's fast, but he's aware of, just like Wayne, he's aware of where everybody is. Yeah, and Exactly. And Wayne could put thread that needle, yep. right? And and the fact that you're sort of focused on, imagine the game planning against these guys, right? You can't, I mean, you can't right? <laughs> yeah. And it and it creates those, you know, odd numbered situations. It creates the seams in the soft areas on the on the defense, and you, you can't you can't be everywhere. You brought up that. X's and O's, and I'll, I want to come back on I that in a to. second. No, 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 because I have a question regarding relating to that. I know what you're saying. But we have a theme here every show. It's Connor Bedard, and we're getting through it. Um, That's quick, usually where the argument comes in. The, <laughs> the, yeah, it's when we argue. The quick, the quick history. She referred to Bedard as underwhelming at the World Juniors a year and a half ago. Remember the summer yeah, ones in Edmonton, yeah, right, and people right. won't let her forget it that she said that. And she goes, "I'm not saying he's underwhelming now, but at the time he was benched." And we kind of. Is that the COVID year? Did they stop that no, tournament? No, no. Well, they had the that tournament was, in the summer. Oh, as a result of they stopped the Christmas, Christmas one, yep. moved it. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways. So yes. <clears throat> she doesn't like the next Gretzky talk, the next Crosby talk. She just says he hasn't earned it yet. Am I right? Nobody has. Okay. I don't like it when they did it with Crosby. Right. Fair. November twelfth, he's here, chick. Yeah. And you're watching. Yeah, you're watching these games. Like he's making plays. I won't say Gretzky. I'm with you on that. But he's still dropping pucks where nobody's there and guys are skating into it and he's threading passes that right. nobody else is doing. He's playing with what, what was the first thing I said when they picked up Corey Perry he's and playing Taylor with Hall? Pylons. The first thing I said though, but they're vets. experienced. Yes, vets. Yeah, sorry, you go ahead. You, no. you know way more about the game than I do, but that's what I said right away. The reason they got it's Corey helping. Perry is for that. You got to have a guy like that with him. And I think they're doing the right thing. Bedard's smart, but he's not experienced like those guys. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I, and and it, imagine being put on that pedestal, though. Like, imagine coming in at, oh. yeah, and, and you're the next Gretzky, you're the next McDavid, next Crosby. That, that'd be really something to have to deal with. He's, sounds like he's handling that sort of stuff well. It's interesting if I look at those players, like Connor plays with such pace, right? Um, uh, McKinnon plays with such pace, like speed, right? Mm-hmm. Berard seems to be a guy that likes to go 200 feet fast, right? Mm-hmm. Wayne wasn't like that, was he? I mean, he could go, but he sort of brought in the delay. Like, how many times would he cross that blue line and curl and delay yeah. and and wait? I mean, I play with Huddy. Charlie says he he'd just come in, he'd follow <laughs> Wayne up the ice. So he crossed that blue line. Wayne's created like this 10 foot gap, and he'd drop it there. And Charlie says, "I just hit it. I scored 21 here." Probably out of the blue. By being in the right place yeah. at the right time. Yeah. Um, well, this kid's special, though. I think he is, yeah. He's from, is he from Victoria, Vancouver? North Van. Yeah. North Van. Is that the Burnaby Winter Club? Winter Club, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know what? Luke Richardson's a good friend, family friend. Um, I'm anxious to get his thoughts on the first 10 games with uh, Connor. Um, gonna, I'll be working that game. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see, too. And, and the other thing, like, I'm just trying to think of how the, what the players. So when Crosby came in the league, Pittsburgh wasn't very good. They were, they have the first pick for a reason, right? I guess McDavid, same thing. Edmonton had the first pick. So they're all, they all, I guess they all sort of come in the same 
their clubs are all sort of at the same evolutionary period as as Bedard is. So you got to surround them with those veterans. Taylor, I know Taylor Hall's back playing or not. Um, Corey Perry, uh, they got some good veterans to sort of insulate them, I guess. But um, Hall can certainly keep up with them and make plays with them. It's, I, I don't know about Corey Perry doing that. He's sort of more on the leadership Doesn't side need of things. To. Yeah, he just kind of sits where he sits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a couple more for you before we let you go. On the uh, just the X's and O's thing, you watched the Boston game, Florida game the other night. Yes. When it was three on three in overtime, how many times did the Panthers try to get into the zone and they couldn't? They kept getting forced back. Zone like, entries. You guys need to work on your entries and three on three in overtime. Yeah. Maybe just because it's early. They don't have the chemistry yet. I think probably right. I, I think I think Ekblad plays three on three. I think Montour probably does. I, I know Paul Maurice, I think he likes using three forwards mm-hmm. because a lot of times at that point in the game, he sees Montour and Ekblad already playing 25, 26 minutes a night sort of thing. So he likes to maybe get the three forwards, might have a little bit more juice left in the legs. But yeah, I mean... No coach is going to put me out there on the three-on-three. Three. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they, they do delay. They bring it back. They regroup. Someone has to take it in, though, right, at some point. And, and, Nobody and was. Aggressive. Right. Nobody was. Yeah. yeah. And you got uh, uh, Belinskis. That was his first experience with three-on-three three in the National Hockey League. So that might have helped with turnover, sort of losing the puck, and, and Zaka going the other way. But uh I think those are things you sort of work through. Hey, and some teams play a lot more three-on-three than others too, right? Um, not sure statistically how many uh, overtime games the Panthers were in. Billy Lindsay would have it on his yeah. iPad. Yeah. Uh, he'd have the I stat. try not to do stats. <laughs> yeah. And my last one for you is you mentioned your offensive prowess or, or lack of it. Uh, when I was talking to Dave Poulin last week about you, I said that Jacob has a little more offensive upside than his dad. And uh, Pooley was like, oh, yeah, way more. But the the 87 Flyers, of which you and Dave Poole were on the same team, was that the best team to not win a Stanley Cup? Yeah, that team was good. I was actually a Hershey Bear that year, and then they called a bunch of guys up. But I think that was a... Well, you played in the Stanley Cup final. I saw you. Yeah, so Hextall. Yeah, Hexy was one of the cons, right? Um, That was a a really... Mark Howe, Brad... Oh, McCrimmon was in Calgary by then, I think, actually. I think it was uh, Shell Samuelson. I think Pooley said Beast was there, right. but um, that Brian was a really, Prop, yeah. for sure. Yeah, Proper. Prop, Kerr, um, Sinisalo, Lindsey Carson, another Saskatchewan guy. Um, yeah, that was a really good club. Mike Keenan, you know, Mike, they really practiced. Hard. And they were a young group, too, so Mike could really push their buttons. And they really, uh, they really perform. Not really systematic, but just with a lot of pace and up tempo. Mike used to like to call it. But that was a heck of a hockey club. Gosh, I don't know the best team to never, never win the Stanley Cup. That I'd have to look that up too. But they were. I, I know that was a really tough group for young defensemen to come up and make. And there's a reason they they they, they did, they did. Uh, want excellence in that locker room and be really tough to play against and, and, and losing or winning was the only thing that mattered in that, in that flyer locker room in those days, Bobby Clark set the, set the, set the tone. Mm -hmm. But that's an interesting situation. When you brought up about Mike Keenan, do you feel like slats out coached him or do you feel like Edmonton was just so strong that there was no getting around it? Yeah. You had to play a perfect game against those, those, uh, those Oiler teams right back in those days with the, um, the, the, you know, they, they could just, they could outscore any issues. They won a lot of eight, seven hockey games, right? I mean, yeah. 
Fuhrer maybe had the worst uh, goals against average to be a Hall of Fame goaler, but he's clearly a Hall of Fame goaler. He was just great. I mean, big-time performer. They, how many playoff series of that team put together and win, right? So I think that uh, I, I think I think Glenn probably had a few more offensive weapons for sure. The experience of winning those cups and they learned those Oiler teams. You know, you, you listen to Gretz talk about beating the or losing the Islanders, right? Yes. What was that 80, 81, 83. And walking by seeing all the ice bags and the yeah. price that the Islanders paid to win. And they knew how to do it at that point, right? They'd done it a couple of years in a row. And, and uh, the, you can't beat that experience, right? You, well, it's like what Wayne said. You had to. He goes. We realized we had to learn how to lose before we knew how to win. Ah, interesting. Because those guys, it was that exact thing. He walked by and said, "We didn't give it our all. We don't have bags on our heads of yeah, ice." Yeah, I like that. I lied. Another one. <laughs> you're never and leaving. I, yeah, you're never leaving. Um, quick one. Nobody's watching. This between us three and Benny. Who's the better team? Ottawa, Florida, or Tampa? Um. I would never bet against the Tampa Lightning. It's it's very similar. I'm sort of transitioning out of that. I would never bet against the Penguins. So your answer, you, do you want a quick answer? Or? I want no, your no, no. answer. This is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Ottawa is still sort of in that progression mode. I think the Panthers have a lot of experience now at this point, right? I think they've had they had a couple wars against in the past. Got to learn how to Tampa. lose. Got to learn how to lose. I really like Florida's team. I think when you get Montour back, uh, you get Ekblad back. Hopefully, Sam Bennett soon. They're going to be they're going to be a really tough out. And I th I look to them to really push the pace as the regular season grows. Was we was it just last episode we talked about? You you're right. You cannot bet against Tampa. But I compared them to Pittsburgh. If you're not going to get rid of some guys and make some big trades, you're just going to ride it out. I think they're going on the ride it out part now, as far as Tampa is concerned. Yeah, it's like those. Uh, Bill Torrey was very loyal to those old Islander clubs, right? Yeah. And, and they they played till their mid upper thirties. Those guys, and you do have to do have to make some moves, right? To stay current, I suppose. Hey, eh? mm -hmm. you have to adjust. Jeff, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Hey, thanks, I appreciate Rod. it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was awesome. Pleasure. Jeff Chickren nice. of Valley Sports, Florida. Jacob's dad, and uh, we're going to take a brief pause and be back to wrap up and talk a little bit about DraftKings when we return on the Cats and Bolts podcast. All right, Cats and Bolts continues in sports fans. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game this month. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. It's up on the screen right now. THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's promo code THPN. Stands for the Hockey Podcast Network, of which we're gratefully a part of. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. 
It's just Serena and I. A big thank you to uh, Jeff Chikrin for joining us for the length of time that he did. There's a couple questions that we wanted to get into. As we sit here, this is our sixth episode, Serena, of Cats and Bolts. Tampa Bay, four wins. Florida, four wins. And Ottawa, four wins. The only reason we were saying bringing that up is because this kid plays for Ottawa. It's a dead heat right now in the Atlantic Division in a lot of ways. But I feel like that was a good question because you have teams like you got the Ottawa. You have those kind of guys that are really good good players they're very similar in my opinion to the Panthers a couple of years ago they were trying to groom some of those guys trying to get them prepared and ready and I think that Ottawa's in a great spot for that <sighs> Alexander Barkov this week will become the Panthers all-time leader in games played worthy guy of that uh, I, I'm, I'm kicking myself Chick got out the door before I asked him yeah he's worthy everybody loves him as the captain is he the greatest Panther ever I mean, not in my opinion, mm -hmm. but I feel like, yeah, I mean, he's played a long time here. I don't think he's the greatest. I don't know. I wouldn't even say he's probably my personal opinion. He's not even top three. Mm -hmm. Well, it's honestly in the time that I've spent here now and it's multiple seasons just listening to fans. I hear that comment a lot. Who's the best all time Panther? And in some markets. Nashville, they say we haven't had any real franchise greats. Minnesota, they say we have no big stars Have the Panthers. Lou would be like the number one. I would say, yeah, even though he didn't spend his whole career here, I would say that he's probably the guy. Mm -hmm. Jovanovski's probably a close second, too. What else you got? We're, we're looking forward to some upcoming games here. Oh, I can't wait. The Bedard game, November 12th. The Oilers, November 20th. The Oilers are here on the 20th. And I just asked Jeff, are you going to be here? Because you know Wayne and whatever, but he's going to be overseas. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a lot of fun for him. But there's a lot of good games coming up here that I'm excited to go to. It'd be really nice if we could get over to Tampa because I think that would be a lot of fun. But we were watching the Lightning the other night, and I love the question you always ask me. We, we always just talk. We always talk about hockey all the time. Like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Off the mic. And then so we have something to talk about on the mic. But you're like, how does how are the Oilers fans so upset about their goaltending when Tampa's coming in here with not their starting goaltender and they're still winning. Yeah, that was my question, so do you yeah. want to answer that? Because Tampa's just so strong, and I, and I think my answer to you was it's a different dynamic for the team as a whole when you lose your starting goaltender that's a solid starter versus having – two starters. Edmonton's been dilly-dallying back and forth for two years about who their starter's going to be. And like you said, I was, they were probably expecting to have an answer by now, but they don't. So as a team, you don't know who your starter is. It's just a lot harder to get behind a guy. Do you ever see an NFL team go back and forth with their quarterback every game? No. Because yeah. the team, you, you have to play as a team. Yeah, but Tampa's is hurt. So Right, but the point is it's a different dynamic. Yeah, well, it's not just a mentality. It's Coop said going into the year, and we're not tight, that's just his nickname, John Cooper, that uh, we're going to devise a defensive scheme. We're not going to allow the middle of the ice to be open. We're going to cut down on shots against and scoring chances, and they did it. I thought other teams would have it figured out within a week, and they haven't. As we sit here today, the Lightning have the most points of these teams that we've been talking about today, the Lightning, the Panthers, and the Senators. Um, I'd say that's about it. We're out of time unless you have anything else you'd like to discuss. 
No, I'm good. I All mean, right. I always we could chat for, for yeah, days we could, but we'll this, save but... it for next week. Okay. And we have had some requests, we've had requests for Lightning alumni to come on. We'll try and dig them up. Uh, this is the Sunrise area, so that's where the Panthers alumni are. But we'll work on it. I like Serena's idea of a road trip. We should do a Cats and Bolts road trip to, to Tampa Bay. We should, as a group, that would be fun. Yeah. yeah, Benny's in. Ben's in. We'll Ben's be bringing Dennis Pot Ben. Ben's going to have to produce it, so he better yeah, be Yeah, exactly. Live on location. And, oh, uh, Panthers alum. They really do love the alum. Uh, we're working on some guys. Just stay tuned. Peter Worrell is the one that I would like to have, too. And I'll let him tell the funny stories. Like the alumni game when he scored a hat trick in the first period last year. And we're like, <laughs> you didn't score three goals your whole career. You scored three in a period. But didn't Luongo play out in yes, that game? Yes, he did. Yeah. He, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean. People have asked for Roberto, too. We're working on it. He's not as easy to get as some of these other guys. Okay, we're out of time. Thank you so much. Thank you to Jeff Chikrin. Thank you to Beach House Pompano, DraftKings, and Baresco. And we'll see you next week here on the Cats and Bolts podcast.